you've got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And over the last few weeks, we've been in the midst of this series called This I Know. And it's based on things that we know about God. And it comes from looking at the promises in Scripture of who God is and how that impacts how we live. And one of the verses that we've used has come from the book of Second Peter, and we're going to put it up on the screen um, again for you this morning, the second part of it. This is verses 3 and 4. It says that God's divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By these, He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. That He has given us very great and precious promises. The idea there is that God has given us everything we need to live life here on earth for His glory and for His name. And part of the way He's done that is that He has promised us certain things. And we talked about that those promises are things that we can plant a stake in the ground, we can put an anchor down and say, this I know. When the world is falling around me, we can take comfort in the fact that this I know. You know how um, you know how people say that that uh, maybe this isn't a good thing to talk about on Father's Day because dads are accused of this more than anybody probably. That we have selective hearing. You know that phrase, right? That we hear the things that we want to hear and we choose not to hear those things that we don't want to hear. Well. There is this phenomenon where, um, for instance, in a crowded room with lots of people talking, that if someone says your name, you can pick it out. You ever experienced that? You, you may not be listening to anybody's conversation, but if I'm if I'm eating supper on Wednesday night and I, you know there's lots of talk and around the tables discussion, and I hear and Brother Lyle said, suddenly my ears catch wind of the conversation, right? Well, it's kind of the same thing when you were, uh, like, when I thought about this series and titled it This I Know, it, it was one of the things that I did it because of this song, but it seems like over and over again over the last few weeks, I found myself hearing songs or people saying things like, well, this I know. Last night, Maddie was singing an, a song, what Jesus Loves Me is another song, it's actually a VBS song from last year, and it's about Jesus, and in the midst of it is that phrase, this I know. And what we're talking about in these days is that we can take great comfort in what we know to be true from Scripture. The first week we talked about the fact that God is in complete control of the universe. That He is sovereign, that He is over all things, and that He's in control. Last week we talked about the fact that God is with us as believers in Jesus Christ. And more than just He's beside us, but that He is for us. That He is working on our behalf. Well, today we're going to talk about the promise that kind of makes all of that matter. 
Because the truth is, if all we knew about God is that He was in control and that He was always with us, we wouldn't know on a regular basis whether He was with us for good or for our harm. We wouldn't know whether what He was doing in control was something we could depend on or if it was something that might hurt us. But the third promise we're going to talk about that comes from God's Word is this very simple promise that we sang about already today that God is always good. God is always good. Now, we're going to do a little modern responsive reading, right? You've all been in churches or events where somebody starts and says, God is good. And you respond, all the time. Right? So that's how we're going to do it. And then I say all the time and you say, God is good. Y'all don't seem real enthusiastic about that truth this morning. I know it's warm. I can guarantee you this. There is nobody warmer in here than me. Those lights are H-O-T. All right? So I'm going to say God is good. You're going to say all the time. I'm going to say all the time. You're going to say God is good. All right? Here we go. God is good. And all the time. Now, that is more than just a kid's promise or story. It is one of the most significant truths and promises that we have. Because not only is God in control of all things, He has the power over all things, not only is He with us at all times, He is with us for our good. He is with us working on our behalf. In fact, there is this passage in Romans chapter 8, and I want you to see this starting in verse 31. It'll be up on the screen, but it's also, if you've got your Bibles open, you can see it there. Verse 31 says, what then are we to say about these things? And this is the verse we talked about last week. If God is for us, who is against us? And then it says this, and I love the argument here. He did not even spare His own Son but offered Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him grant us everything? Now let me say real quickly on the front end, this is one of those verses that if you turn on television on some of those channels where there are preachers on all the time, that they'll take and see, see God wants you to have the best of everything all the time. You're going to have money, money, money. You send me a thousand, you get a hundred thousand back. That's not what the verse is saying. What the verse is saying is that God is working for our good at all times. And then it gives, that's actually a few verses up. Some of you know Romans 8.28, we're going to talk about it a little bit later. But then it says this, if He's willing to give up His own Son, why would He hold back anything else that would be for our good? If God is willing to sacrifice His Son Jesus, why would He give up giving us anything else that is good? The, the point of Romans 8, 31 and 32 is that God is working on our behalf, but it's in a benevolent way. He is always behind the scenes and sometimes in the front of the scene doing things for our good. We are people that have to learn what it means that God has in store for us good. 
here's some things from Scripture you can just jot down somewhere about God's goodness. These aren't going to be on the screen. You can just write them down or listen. First of all, God wants us to experience His goodness. One of my favorite verses is Psalm 34, 8, and it says, To taste and see that the Lord is good. Any of you like to... Let me ask this. Are any of you the kind of people that when you sit down to eat and other people around you have different things on your plate, you want to taste everything you see? Anybody like that? Boy, that looks good. And that means, can I have a bite, right? Now, sometimes people don't get the hint. You're like, are you going to eat all that? Are you? How many, how many, see again, how many are the tasters? I want to, we're going to join a tasting fan club and we're going to all go to restaurants and buy different things so we can taste everything, all right? The reason I like tasting is I want to experience things. We've got a group of people. We've got three of our church members in Brazil right now. And one of the things that always happens when I take new people to Brazil is we go to this place called Chascaria. At the Chascaria, you get to eat some things that you don't get to eat in America. And there are some people that go and they only eat things you can eat in America. And I say, why are you not wanting to experience Brazil? I mean, where else are you going to get a good old chicken heart? Amen? I didn't get any amens right there. But the, what's also funny is when you sit next to somebody that wants to know, the Chascaria, anybody been to a Brazilian, there's one downtown Nashville now, Brazilian Steakhouse, they just bring meat out to you. You have a little card, and as long as it's green, they're bringing you meat. Now, in Brazil, they'll tell you what the meat is, but here's the problem. They tell you in Portuguese. And I've got those people that are always asking me, what is it? What, what, what is this? And I don't know, just eat it. It's, it's meat. The first year I went, uh, I just decided, and I, I made, growing up I was a notoriously picky eater. I, I know that none of y'all have children or grandchildren that are picky eaters, but I was. And we went, and, and, and the guy that was leading our trip got up, and he would tell us, y'all go and try this, this is yum. And we'd take a bite, and he goes, how'd you like your cow tongue? Was that good? And I just decided I'm going to experience it. God wants us to experience His goodness. To try it out. To trust Him in the middle of it. See. Sample. Taste. One of my favorite things to do is to take the kids to Sam's on Saturday afternoon. Can I get an amen there? Free supper, right? They got all that stuff out your taste. God says, I want you to taste and see sample. He wants us to experience it. God is good always. He, here's one thing you see in Scripture that's always interesting. That the eventual conclusion of every generation of God's people is that He is good. You might not think it now, but if you're one of God's children, you're going to figure out by the end of your life that God is good. Do you know that visiting people that are in the end of their lives are in serious physical turmoil? One of the most frequent things that comes off of their lips is, I know God is good. Now you would think that would be the last thing on the minds of people that are suffering. But the truth is, we eventually get to the point where we see that the Lord does all things well and He is good. Everything that He has allowed, everything He has withheld, every difficult season, every stretching circumstance, He meant it all for good. 
we're talking about Father's Day. Any of you look back on things that your dad, that you thought was cruel or mean or not fair at the time, that you see now it was all for your good? Anybody do that? I do. Things that dad says, you know what, you don't need to do that. That is so unfair. And you look back now and see the protection that dad was trying to build into my life. I was thinking about this um, the other night when our uh, our daughter Maddie was in her bed. And uh, she woke up, and, and Maddie still wakes up occasionally crying, wanting mommy or daddy or whatever. And so she, she was crying, and I... Uh, our goal is to where she can put herself back to sleep and get through the night because we got another one on the way. And if I got two in the middle of the night getting up, we're going to have y'all. Gonna, I'm going to be sleeping for sermons on Sunday. And so I walked into her room and she's crying, and I checked on her, make sure everything's okay. Are you thirsty? No. Are you hungry? No. Do you need a diaper? No. I just want daddy. And I was mean. Because I said, this is your bed, and it is night-night time. And I gave her a hug, and I laid her down. And I walked out of the room, and she accepted it, not really. Daddy! And I thought, in her little mind right now, she thinks I'm being as cruel as I can be. But I'm actually trying to get her to a place for her good. There are lots of times in our lives when we want to look up to God and say, Daddy, why? Why this? Why now? What's going on? And we don't get the response we necessarily want, and we think, well, God's cruel. But the truth is, He just sees the bigger picture, and He knows. God's goodness is the eventual conclusion of every generation. Every generation learns the truth of Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. God's goodness is everywhere in everything He does. Verse uh, Psalm 145.9 says, The Lord is good to all and His mercy is over all that He has made. Now, it may not be immediately obvious that He's good. In fact, Lamentation says that the Lord is good to those who wait on Him. But the thing about God's goodness is this. As you grow to understand it, it becomes a refuge in times of trouble. Anybody here ever had difficulty in life? Anybody have problems? In those moments, we need somewhere to run to. And the goodness of God provides us that place. Each week we've taken this promise and then we've said, because of this is true, then I. And because promise number three is true, if God is always good, then I don't have to despair. I don't have to get into a place where it seems no hope. Someone had said that many people live in despair, and despair is an utterly and enduringly dark place. It's like being in a cave or a cavern and all the lights get shut out. 
In fact, one dictionary defines despair as a destitute of positive expectations. It is having a lack of hope. It is being in a place where you can't see anything good in your future. You have no idea how life could improve. You have no words to pray. You can't recall a better time because there isn't one. There's not a good memory. You can't remove the circumstances because the opportunity is finished. You can't retrieve any relationship because the person has left. You are in a complete place of lack of positive expectations. And all of us have things in our lives that will push us towards despair. Things that surprise us in life. I didn't see that coming and wham! Something suddenly hits us in life. How severe things are. Not just if it surprises us, but if something's severe. Some of you may not despair over a a parking ticket, but losing a career or a relationship or a profession, or a child. The severity of whatever loss we have can push us towards despair. And when we get into despair, there becomes this almost settledness that this is just how it is. I'm going to show you this verse real quickly. It's from Psalm 27.13. It's from David's hand. And David said, I would have despaired... Unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David knew better than to think that despair was the answer. He heard the tempter's voice telling him to give up, but instead he turned his eyes towards God and said, I would have despaired unless I have believed. I choose to believe. Instead of lighting that match that led to that place of despair, David got confidence in a promise-keeping God. He says, and I love this, not just that someday eventually, not just some glad morning when this life is over, not just on the sweet or in the sweet by and by, not just on the other side of Jordan River, but someday in the land of the living, I am going to see the goodness of God. The only Anecdote for despair is belief in the goodness of God. And fortunately for us, Scripture teaches us over and over and over again about how good God is. One of my favorite books, I've mentioned it many times before. One of my favorite books is a book by a guy named A.W. Tozer. And when you read A.W. Tozer's book, you are blown away. You're blown away by his dedication to the Lord. In fact, if if you want to read some books that will drive you deeper in your faith, I recommend his book, The Knowledge of the Holy and the Pursuit of God, as highly as any books I can recommend. And yet when you read Tozer, you never see this glimpse. You never see this glimpse of the very difficult life that he had. Tozer was one of those guys that was walking home one day on the street, and as he was walking home on the street, he heard somebody at a local business talk about Jesus and salvation, and he went home that day and he settled things with God, and he began to live for the Lord. But suffering was something he knew a lot about. A.W. Tozer had two sons wounded in World War II. The people in his church turned hostile towards them. His own health laid him up for weeks at a time. 
And yet he wrote one of the most amazing chapters you can read on the goodness of God. Like David, Tozer would say that if I didn't believe in God's goodness, I would have no hope in this world. One of my mom and dad's favorite verses they instilled in me from an early age is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, Where God says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper and not to harm, plans to give you a hope and a future. What I never knew about that as a child, and what I've grown to appreciate more about that verse as I've grown up, is that that was written from a prophet who was watching the destruction of his home city. And God said... You're going to be taken into captivity. You're going to be taken into bondage. It's going to be a terrible, terrible, terrible few years. But, don't despair. I know the plans I have for you. And what I want you to do today is whatever's happening in your life, I want you to cling to the promise of the goodness of God. We're going to look at Romans 8.28 real quickly. And this is how we're going to end. Romans 8.28, and this is from the NIV. This is how I memorized it. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. And at the end of each sermon each week, I've given you a specific verse that I want you to think about throughout the week. And here's what I want you to realize. It doesn't say in this verse that God causes all things in your life. It doesn't say in this church that God sends all the bad circumstances in your life. What it says is God can take the worst circumstances imaginable and He can work them for good for those who love Him. It's the classic rewording of Joseph's declaration at the end of Genesis when his brothers have thrown him in a pit, when he's sold him into slavery, when he's been arrested for doing something he never did, when the people forgot him in prison, when then he finally got put over the affairs of the land and his brothers come back and he says to them, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. And what I want you to think through in your life this week, when difficulties come, and they will come, difficulties will come, are you trusting the Lord and His goodness to turn that into something good. Most of you won't have to memorize this because you know this verse. In fact, I saw a thing this this week, uh, uh, the program that we use on smartphones, and you can get on the computer called Uversion, which is uh, millions and millions of people worldwide use. The one of the top ten highlighted verses in the Bible on their site is Romans eight twenty eight, and it's a verse we can cling to. And so let me ask you, what's going on in your life right now that you need to cling to that verse? And are you trusting God to do something good with it?